0: Greetings, my name is Griffin Schaefer. And my name is Scott Peterson. And this is episode 44 of Inside Quizzing, a podcast about Bible quizzing for folks who love the Bible. And in this episode 44, we are coming off of our sort of, uh, mid to late summer hiatus and entering into the quizzing season. It's very exciting for a number of reasons. So just a, f- you know, like a couple hours ago, uh, Sherilyn, my wife and I were out in the back, our backyard, uh, sort of clearing out the last of the pickles and let's see, uh, let's see a couple of different kinds of pickles and watermelon and sort of the general harvesting up of the last bit of crops. And we finally cut off our pumpkins. We have like, I don't know, six fairly decently sized and extraordinarily heavy pumpkins, uh, that are all sort of like turning various colors of orange. And so, uh, that means it's fall, which means we are into the quizzing season, which is very exciting. We've already had our scramble meet for the year, our sort of, uh, we could call it the preseason game of the, of the regular season. And the regular season starts with district meet number one coming up. Uh, at EBC, uh, Eastridge Baptist Church in a, in just a short bit of time, uh, a couple of weeks away, less than a couple of weeks away. And so we want to talk a little bit about that, talking, uh, talk a little bit about some changes and new things that we're doing in P&W this year that are pretty exciting. We want to do an overview of Hebrews chapter one and two. We've got a listener question, talk a little bit about, uh, CBQZ and whatever other kind of topics come up along the way. So, uh, yeah, very exciting. So, Scott, how was your how was your summer?
1: It was... So, my summer has been very, very full and very, very busy. I moved from the state of Washington to the state of Michigan over the summer, and there was lots and lots to do about that. And we also moved from a rural location, I mean, a urban location to a rural location, and we have had to learn a lot of things for the first time about living in a rural location. Um, so, I have been very busy with many things. And I started a new job. So
0: yeah, very exciting. So what are some rural
1: things that you had to learn? Um, you, well, before we bought the house, we should have done more research on internet provider options. And there were a lot of checks about the house that we should have done. Um, specifically like a water softener, um, because we have water that is hard to some degree and needs to be softened. Um, And there's just a lot of things similar to that. Um, Like, do we need a riding lawnmower? Do we need a snow plow service in the winter? Um, That we didn't really think all, well, we really had no idea about until we were here. (laughs) the Um, The normal house buying things we have already gone through once. So that was normal and not necessarily unexpected. But um, yeah, a lot of stuff to learn. And then, oh, we had a tornado warning. A tornado went down the street within a quarter mile of our house. Um, Yeah. So a lot going on.
0: Very fun. Of course, you know, there's tornadoes in the Pacific Northwest too. We had one in Port Orchard uh, just last year. But uh, have you guys had snow yet?
1: No, no snow. And today, randomly, it's like 85 degrees. It was a high of 60 yesterday. Nice. Um, and it's going to be a high of 60 in a few days from now, but it's just randomly hot and warm today.
0: Interesting. Yeah, we're actually a bit on the cold side. We So where I'm at in Port Orchard, we had a, a pretty good low last night. It was in the upper 30s, uh, which was surprising. Uh, I was sort of expecting the 40s, but I wasn't expecting upper 30s. So it got a little bit chilly. And, uh, you know, we've had a fair bit of rain, but it's nice and beautiful today. Sunny, uh, skies and all that kind of stuff, but definitely, you know, cold is in the air and you can kind of feel the, yep, it's definitely edging into not edging. It's, I mean, it's, we're, we're flinging ourselves into fall at this point, but I don't know if you've heard, but Spokane and Missoula area, they actually had a fair bit of snow, uh, come in just a couple of days ago over the weekend
1: i see that montana has a ton of snow and did they declare a state of emergency because of the amount of snow
0: i do not know that's in montana so a couple states away so it's sort of out of my, out of my the range of my awareness but uh I've, we've got some friends in spokane and the sandpoint idaho area and so forth and they were uh, showing pictures of all kinds of snow coming down and so for you know for late september that's definitely unusual
1: Huh, how interesting. One other new thing here is the ethnic cuisine is not good. Um, One-star Mexican and Asian cuisines back in Washington would probably pass for five-star cuisines out here.
0: That's not terribly unexpected though. I mean, the Pacific Northwest is is massively benefited by its location and history. I mean, the the earliest explorers were Spanish. Uh we've got Spanish settlements uh, very early on. A uh, lot of uh, folks coming in from Asian cultures, Chinese, uh, Japanese influence, a lot of Southeast Asian influence. So, I mean, plus the whole American, you know, sort of barbecue influence, although that's not super strong around here. So it's, it's, uh, it's not surprising. You're sort of in this spot where things kind of circled around rather than kind of descended into.
1: Yeah. But even in grand rapids, so we're not in grand rapids, we're just outside of it, but even in grand rapids, which is a large ish city and, um, decently young in the population. And I don't know. Um, I'm just surprised that that, No option that we found is even close to below average food back in um, Seattle, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, that just means more reasons why you should, you know, come back and visit more frequently. Um, Perhaps. Perhaps. It would be a very good thing. Well, cool. So, uh, Scramble Meat, uh, happened what, like three, four weeks ago, something like that. I forget now. Three weeks ago? Yeah, it's three weeks ago, something like that. And of course, Scott was our, uh, is our, uh, still is, was and is our head statistician working remotely, uh, from the Midwest. And I think that worked out pretty decently.
1: Yeah, it did. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything I would specifically change about it. I learned that Google Drive does not store images in a very nice way. Um, but that that was the the only surprise that was bad. Um, there were 55 quizzers at the scramble meet, which I feel like it's maybe a little bit lower than usual, but it's pretty rare to have more than 70 quizzers at a scramble meet. Um, and it, it looks like there was a lot of quizzing that, that went on Uh, The senior division had four quizzes per team, and the junior division had three quizzes per team. So that's a good number of quizzes for everybody.
0: Yeah, it was fantastic. It was a a wonderfully uh, enjoyable meet. Uh, I got to Quizmaster, I think, once or twice, or no, maybe just – no, I – was it once or twice? It was at least once, maybe twice that I quiz mastered. I think it was only once. Um, and most of the other time I was running around doing sort of tech support and uh, uh, leading a couple of ch- uh, uh, conferences and so forth. But I think the meet generally went really well. I was very encouraged by some of the uh, rookie quizzers coming in. There were a handful of, of rookie quizzers who, uh, you know, I'd never seen before and they showed up and quizzed remarkably well. Uh, and I was very proud to see uh, that sort of activity uh, take place.
1: Yeah, not to be a downer, one, one thing that I think is both nice and can be bad about the scramble meet is that we do bracket it, and it's a very nice kind of soft landing for the rookie quizzers. But even district quizzing um, in even the first district is just such a different animal. So um, I can't remember what rule of thumb I would apply. Maybe it was whatever average the rookie had at the scramble meet, expect about a fourth or a fifth of that, at least at the first district meet. But it definitely, the Scramble Meet gives you an indication which quizzers do know material and might have the propensity to continue upping their um, knowledge of the material as time goes on and as they gain more experience with some of the non-material quirks of Bible quizzing.
0: Yeah, very cool. Well, so uh, stats of course are out. Scott did a fantastic job of publishing those and they're out on the website and available for anybody to take a look at, uh, such as they are for Scramble. But our first district meet is coming up in just a little under two weeks away at EBC Eastridge Baptist Church in Kent. Uh, I made a fairly significant error uh, in terms of this meet. So we've, we're using an online web based uh, registration system and I set the uh, date for the meet wrong in the registration system. So everywhere else, like all over the website where it has a schedule and like in the presentations that I put together for the scrambled meat and so forth, th- those dates are all fine. Those are, those are accurate. It's supposed to be on the 11th, but in the registration system, I marked it somehow as the 18th. I got it wrong somehow. And as a result, the registration system thought, oh, well, the deadline is two weeks prior to the 18th, uh, not just this last Saturday, which is the correct deadline. So technically, you know, I I don't know, it sort of depends on your definition of technically, technically, according to the computer, we haven't actually reached the registration deadline. But our general policy has been two weeks prior to the registration is the deadline. So I sent out an email uh, a little bit earlier today reminding everybody like, okay, I screwed up. But please go register as quickly as you can, because that would be very helpful to the host. But I'm going to keep the deadline the same. It's still this upcoming uh, uh, end of the week uh, just so that nobody's like super surprised or anything, you know, changing a deadline on people at the last minute isn't, isn't too kosher. But with that being said, please register as soon as you can. Uh, officials, if you're out there in PNW, please register as well. You can either do that under your local church. If you're there, or if you're independent, you can do it under PNWTI, but I just want to make sure that everybody's in the registration system. Uh, check-in is at 6 PM on Friday the 11th and announcements will start at 6:30, and all of the schedule for Saturday or Friday and Saturday in terms of just sort of high block level stuff is on the website presently. Of course the draw isn't generated yet. Uh, Jeremy's working on that. Uh, and one thing of note that we are going to be doing this year, and we talked about this at Scramble, but it, uh, didn't do it at Scramble because we were announcing it and getting set it up, uh, getting it set up for the regular district meets this year. Uh, we are going to be conducting adult quizzing. So we are, we've established, we're in the process of establishing an adult quizzing league. Uh, it's going to be pretty minimalistic. Our focus is always going to be predominantly and uh, on, predominantly on youth quizzing. That's the point of the program. But for folks who have graduated out of the program who still have a love for quizzing, which is pretty much everybody, uh, this is an opportunity to do just a little bit of, of, You know, quizzing afterward, uh, kind of on the side. So we're going to be doing two quizzes on Saturday, uh, for adult league. And if you are interested at all in participating, the only requirement I think is that you just not be eligible for regular quizzing, uh, and, uh, you know, by age or whatnot, and then, uh, you can participate. And if you're interested in that, you'd need to email Jeremy as soon as possible. Uh, uh, but certainly before the meet, he's going to be putting a draw together, I think Friday, uh, for those two quizzes. And it's just going to be pretty simple stuff. It's just going to be the same material, overset the same rules and everything. And, uh, we're going to be using basic prelim scoring, uh, pretty much. And that's it. No brackets or any, anything fancy like that for adult quizzing. Cause there's only going to be two quizzes per meet and that's it. So, uh, a lot of fun there. So, um, Scott, another reason for you to move back, right? Perhaps, but
1: doesn't great lakes do this as well?
0: There are a couple other districts that are actually starting to get into this. I don't know of any that were actually doing it yet, but I know of at least... Oh gosh, was Great Lakes doing it or was it Western Great Lakes? Oh, I can't remember now. Oh, it's one of them that was thinking about doing this too. And was Metro... Uh, Alan, if you're listening, shoot me an email is, is Metro thinking about doing this too? I forget. There was a couple other districts, um, that were, that were thinking about it. We were talking about it at internationals, but I don't know of anyone else that, that was historically doing it before now. Uh, oh wait, was West I, Ken- do,
1: I do remember that Metro, not Metro, um, Great Lakes has an alumni quiz meet Ooh. and I think they do it once a year and it's like a one day meet for any alumni. Um, but they may not do something regularly at each meet. That's cool.
0: I, and I recall, I I, gosh, my memory is awful right now. I want to say somebody from West can was, was maybe thinking about doing adult league or something. Um, but I forget, but definitely P and W is going to be doing it, um, at, at least to a small scale this year. So a lot of opportunities there. And of course, Scott is our, you know, uh, quizzing missionary to the Midwest. So in the, uh, uh, quiz district that he's going to be spinning up there. Uh, they can certainly uh, start <laughs> employing adult quizzing uh, anytime they want to. So that'll be a fantastic thing. Uh, so another th- announcement that we're going to be doing is, or uh, actually doing the announcement now, but actually doing the event on Saturday at the meet. So after the meet is over, And everybody is totally tired and wants to go home. There is actually going to be a post-meet optional fellowship dinner. Uh, Basically, folks, if they want to, if they've got time and the capability to do so, we're going to descend upon a restaurant location at the end of each district meet and have an opportunity to fellowship a little bit longer together before everybody separates and goes to their, um, you know, home uh, locations. And at the uh, at ABC, our post-meet dinner location is going to be Mod Pizza, and apparently there's several of these so uh the specific one is on kent kangley road or something Kingley. like that Ken- kangley
1: kent kangley
0: kent kangley road um so if you need specific directions for that i mean i'm going to be passing that out at the uh, at the meet itself and talking about it at the meet itself uh but it's just it's just a short ways south of ebc uh i think along one of the main roads there. So fairly easy to get to. So uh, very much hope if you can make it to there, uh, it would be great to be able to see you. All right. Well, with that said, um, let's move on into some of our you know, discussion items. Uh, the first one being uh, Hebrews chapter one and two. So Scott, what, did you, what are your thoughts about Hebrews uh, one and two?
1: So Hebrews has a soft place in my heart because it is the material that I know the best by far. It was my last year of competitive quizzing and I memorized... Um, the whole material again, eight years later, um, during my first year back in the district when I also coached internationals. Um, so I'm quite familiar with the material and I think it's very fun material for a lot of reasons. One of the biggest being that I think it's the easiest material, um, to learn. So it might be the easiest material to score decently well on, but because competition is relative, it, it probably it might be among the hardest material to score really super excellently on, like averaging above an 85 or trying to be top 10 or 15 internationals Um, because the material is shorter. And so to differentiate yourself, you need to do things that you just really don't have to do in gospel years. But looking at Hebrews chapter one, it's a great length. We're starting out with just 14 verses. So quotes and CVRs are not going to be a problem. Um, And there's lots of good, key uh, unique words in there specifically in verse three i imagine it looks like one two three four five six so almost half the material is is a key verse within the pnw district um and there's just a lot of really cool material in there so i think it's fun to learn it's memorable it's decently easy and it's going to be the basis for all kinds of question types at that first district meet
0: yeah, totally agreed. So I think I would call it the second easiest book to memorize. I think James is actually easier. Um, that being said, James is also shorter. So I don't know, I, maybe... was,
1: ta- I was talking about the general year. So Hebrews oh, versus Peter yes. together.
0: Yeah, that's true. Romans is definitely not. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Romans is not not nearly as easy to memorize as Hebrews and so, sort of, uh, you know, Hebrews in scope is much larger. So yeah, in, in that regard, I, I very much agree. Uh, I think the language is simpler in Hebrews than in, say, the gospel narratives, but there are some very interesting words that pop up, uh, words that we don't normally speak of, uh, you know, anointing, uh, purification, and so forth, uh, even just in chapter one here. Uh, some of those words are going to be, I mean, they're very interesting to memorize and kind of delve into the history and the sort of the, the where those words come from. And they also make for a lot of key fast jumping material, no situation questions this year. So, um, I know some folks love situation questions. I've never, I've never been able to love situation questions. I try to love them, but it just, I've never been able to come around to it. Uh, but yeah, 14 verses in chapter one, very short. Uh, chapter two is just a tiny bit bigger. It's still pretty short. It's, it clocks in at 18, which is still fairly short given what we were dealing with in John last year. So still fairly short. Uh, but again, a fairly even distribution of unique words everywhere, uh, tends to be clustered both in chapters one and two near the beginning and the end, similar in chapter two near the beginning and the end, but they're fairly evenly distributed, a decent sizing of the verses as well. Um, You know, in particular, in chapter two, take a look at verses 17 and 18, uh, both independent uh, key verses in PNW. So there's not going to be like a quote these two verses, but uh, 17 in particular is fairly long. Make sure that you're careful as you're you're memorizing through that because the ends and the, the, is there a the? Yeah, there's a the, uh, the small little words to be, Uh, in in order uh that and that he and so forth make sure that you get those right there were um some folks who had memorized at scramble who were quoting and they got awfully awfully close but missed it on like an uh or a the or something like that, just like they were adding an extra the where it seems like it should go, but it's not in the original source material. So just be really careful about that, especially in really long or, or well, relatively longer verses, uh, verses nine and 10. Again, similar kind of thing. They're a little bit on the longer side relative to say something like 12 or 15 or 16 from chapter two. So uh, keep all of that stuff in mind.
1: From Hebrews 1, there is a very, very long reference question. Uh, in general, because of how they're defined, reference questions are going to be very short. And the advice given to quizzers when you're providing a question is to keep it as short as you can. But question writers love to find long questions that are still valid as reference questions because they often test reference knowledge of the material. And a big one is going to be in verse 5, to which of the angels did God ever say what? What? Um, making sure not to include the first word in that verse, four, because four, two is a two-word unique phrase. But to which of the angels did God ever say occurs more than once. And so both those are going to be the basis of a reference question. And it's up to the quizzers to go through and figure out if they are chapter references or chapter verse references or if they might have a multiple answer applied to them. And then in Hebrews 1, three, it ends with the phrase, um, the right hand of the majesty in heaven. One thing I always liked to do when I was quizzing was find um, passages that are very similar but not um, but have differences, and then really work to make sure I I'm always quoting the correct thing, even if there's not a way that I could be counted out of context. I just treated it as an extra challenge. Um, so in Hebrews eight one it says the right hand of the throne of the Majesty in heaven. In Hebrews 10, it says the right hand of God. In Hebrews 12, it says the right hand of the throne of God. Um, and yeah, so those are, there's a lot of kind of semi-repetitive material in Hebrews, and it will be very useful to spend time reviewing so that you always stay quoting in the correct context.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One thing I would suggest for uh more advanced quizzers, uh, or folks who are trying to, you know, step it up, up, uh, up a notch. And like what Scott was saying for this year, you might have to do that to maintain the same kind of, uh, averages or levels that you had with the, with the John year, just because the material is so different. One of the things I would recommend is consider writing questions for yourself. Uh, don't spend a majority of your time doing that. I mean, c- certainly spend a majority of your time memorizing, quoting, uh, and, and checking your quoting and so forth and and quoting with other people, I think that's very helpful. But in addition to that, writing questions, uh, specifically specialty questions, if you're, if you're wanting to specialize can be extremely helpful in identifying sort of key areas, like the one Scott just pointed out, right? So like, if you're looking in chapter three or sorry, not chapter three, uh, verse three of chapter one, uh, after he, what, uh, just sort of jumps out at me from the text is like, okay, there's a, there's a chapter keyword after, and after he, what nice, clean, easily, you know, formulated question. Uh, and if you start to look into that sort of stuff, I think those can jump out at you, uh, pretty quickly. The other thing to look at is, uh, you know, get for yourself a, uh, uh a unique words list um, there. I think there's a unique words list on the CBQZ website, if not, there's certainly one that's linked from the pnwquizzing.org uh, website And you'll be able to pull out things like, you know, scepter of what, uh, anointing you with what, you know, uh, that sort of thing. Very easily fast questions that you can get off of just a couple of uh, syllables. And then based on those uh, unique words, you can generate for yourself some syllable jumping and get even faster uh, at some of these things. Uh, It won't be a majority of the questions, but you might be able to get just a slight edge as a result of it.
1: Absolutely. I loved looking at unique word lists and seeing if they could be near the front of a question. So for example, in Hebrews 1.12, the word robe is a unique word, but there's really no way to write an an interrogative question with robe anywhere, like really in the question. Um, And so you can kind of almost ignore it when you're looking at um, making sure that you know unique words that can be near the beginning of an interrogative. And then I would always target Unique words that sounded less unique, so like roll and sit, might or wear might be a little bit less unique feeling. Whereas if you heard radiance or sustaining or anointing, um, if you have a good knowledge of the material, your mind will probably go to the correct spot. But hearing a word like roll or um, ignore in two three or taste in two nine, um, those are a little less significant in the mind and. Um, might take a little bit of extra work to make sure that you can place them if uh, you jump at the beginning of an interrogative question and hear that word
0: yeah and sit is i I love sit in verse 13 sit where uh i mean that just is that's a that's a that's a question that needs to be asked um it's short it's fast it's easy uh and again it kind of just pulls you it 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 pulls you toward that question when you're looking at the material and trying to write questions. If you're just memorizing that word sit may not necessarily jump out at you as strongly, I think, as it, as it would, if you were trying to say like, how can I write some questions off verse 13, it might just be a way to kind of craft your mind a little bit around that. But again, I would do this as a secondary operation. Uh, don't focus on it. First of all, uh, definitely memorize the entire chapter first, uh, and then move on to some of these other activities. And with fourteen verses, you know, especially in in chapter one, it's fairly easy to get through. Uh, the whole of the chapter and get it memorized. And then, of course, the beauty of that is once you've got, say, the entirety of a chapter memorized, uh, again, with references, always with references, then uh, chapter reference questions become fair game. And I think chapter references, honestly, are some of the more uh, not underutilized question types, but I think it's, it's certainly has a great opportunity there at district level to be able to grab some easy questions from chapter reference uh, types. I
1: think at district jumping speeds, chapter references are extremely underutilized. They can be very safe to jump on because you're always hearing how the question starts. Um, At the internationals level, I think they're by far the hardest question type. But at the district level, where you're going to most likely get at least three I think they are very, very gettable, and an awesome thing about them is because you're given the chapter right up front, you don't have to memorize the whole material to jump on these. You just have to be able to hear the chapter and know, like, oh, I know this chapter, or I don't know this chapter. Um, and I don't know if this is a tangent, Griffin, but you said make sure to memorize the chapter first. I, I never did it that way. and I think Oh, really? I think it could be different. So I think while there are probably some principles of memorization that are just great principles and true for everyone, I think every brain is very specific and unique, and the, the way that is best for you to deal with the material and study it can be very different. I know of a quizzer who wanted to memorize the material with references, and so started by memorizing verse 1, verse 5, verse 10, verse 15, verse 20, so that when they were asked verse 7 or verse 12. They had these kind of signposts that that, that they knew better than everything else and could work to um, get to those verses in between. Um, I didn't like to put the pressure on myself on day one of studying to memorize verses and material, and so I did everything but that. I wrote questions. I... Um, made unique word cards. I actually wrote the whole material out by hand usually. And I would also voice record the material on um, onto cassettes. And I would listen to the material. I would listen to my brother quote. And then it was usually a day or two before each week's practice that I would really start going through the material to see how much I could quote. And it was always a surprising amount. And so that actual final memorization And review was really pretty short for me um, because I dealt with the material in so many ways. And I really just liked spending time in a kind of a lower pressure situation where I wasn't testing myself. And then I tested myself as we got to the end of the week or closer to a quiz meet.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Let, Let me let me rephrase. When I say first, I'm, I think I mean in prioritization, um, but not like, mm. not necessarily <laughs> order, um, if that makes any sense. My, my concern that I have in recommending that quizzers write questions is that they, that, that maybe some write questions and not memorize. So I, I, as a coach many years ago, I had some quizzers who were, You know, a couple of years they would memorize and they would do okay. And then, you know, life got in the way, but they still loved quizzing and they still wanted to participate. And, uh, so to sort of counter the fact that they didn't have as much time to memorize, they spent a lot of time in effect memorizing the rule book. Uh, so we had one captain uh, in particular who was I mean, I could almost quote you the rule book. Uh at, at that level of knowledge, he really understood uh the rule book, but he didn't have verses memorized. And so he would go in and challenge and usually it didn't work out so well for him um because I I kept thinking like, you know, if you spend as much time just memorizing one or two chapters as you do studying the rule book, I think you'd be far better off. You'd be able to get Uh, some questions there. So yeah, I I, I mean, certainly don't feel like you have to get down and memorize verse one, and then two, and then three with references in order before you do anything else, but more don't don't put anything in front of that in terms of importance. I think ultimately, when you walk into the meet, the time that you spent trying to memorize is going to be the most it's it's sort of like the foundation upon which everything else is built, if that makes any sense.
1: Oh, absolutely. Like, in my head, if at the meet I jumped on, I want to jump, and it was on unique material, um, it should be um, what's the word? Um, a foregone conclusion that I would get it right from that point forward. And so I always studied to try to get there. I don't think I ever did, but um, to me, it, almost the hardest thing is to when you're at a meet to consistently win jumps. On unique material in quantity um, and once you do that if you haven't studied to the point where you can get those right I, that to me would be the most frustrating thing I would be far less frustrated to just not win jumps at a meet um, than to win jumps on unique material and not know the answer
0: right right it, there might be a sports analogy here um, I competed in track and field and cross-country uh, and cycling uh, back in uh, high school And, uh, so imagine if I'm getting ready to run a cross country, uh, race and there's going to be a fair amount of stretching involved and limbering up and that sort of thing before you uh, get involved in the competition. And certainly there's going to be a lot of that in training as well. Right. And so, so certainly when I'm preparing for a cross country meet, I would do a lot of stretching and then I would do a lot of running and the stretching would come first, But I always thought in my mind, like what's really preparing me is the running and the stretching is preparing me to do the running. Uh, But the running is what's preparing me to advance uh, at the at the actual meet itself. I don't know. Is that is that a fair? Did you ever run cross country? You did a lot of sports, didn't you?
1: I did sports, but I tried to do the ones where I didn't have to run. Ah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I think it's a good analogy.
0: Okay. well, any anything else from one and two?
1: Uh, no, I don't think so. I think they're a great start to the quiz year though.
0: Yeah. Not really any sort of tricky material that I'm seeing in here. Um, you know, sometimes we warn about a verse here and there and be like, Oh, be careful about this or that. I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel like there's a lot in one and two that, that, that kind of falls into that category. No,
1: I think we will get to some of that. Um, and when I said, you know, the common material with right hand, I think there are definitely ways that you could misquote, the end of verse 3 or maybe even um, the middle of verse 13 was sit at my right hand. That could take you out of context, so it definitely pays to know it. And in verse 5, there's probably five obvious um, chapter verse reference questions. Um, so that could be a little bit tricky if you jump on a, a CVR on verse 5. But the verses, for the most part, are very unique, and that really decreases any potential trickiness factor.
0: Very cool. Well, we had a listener question come in just a couple of days ago. Uh, this question is from Logan. And of course, he was, uh, he had discovered the podcast just recently and was going through some of our back episodes and was listening to the episode where we talked about the theoretical lowest score that a team or set of teams, or I think all, all teams could do. If all teams were in cahoots, what is the theoretical maximum negative score? that could be at least theoretically put together, assuming that officials didn't just call an end to the quiz and and proceeded uh, according to the rules and so forth. And so his re- question in response to that episode uh, was, is uh, as follows. What is the biggest gap in points that can ever happen between two teams? In other words, how many points can another team get while having another team get a really low score to create the biggest point uh, diff or biggest difference in points? And of course, this is, a, we have to assume here that uh all teams and the officials are in on it and they're all effectively like working towards this end of how do we produce the largest point spread so without going into you know a 2 hour detailed description of how we're going to get there do you have a rough <laughs> do you have a rough idea of what that could be like
1: i do and it's actually not a super funny answer so going back to the original question which was what is the largest negative score that a team can get in a single quiz we came out to something like it was like a thousand to fifteen hundred points like it was a a huge amount of points but it was somewhere in that magnitude right if if you tweaked that question slightly saying like what is the lowest total score in a quiz all three teams combined i think it would be i think it would be almost less low Um, if the three teams were all trying to get negative themselves, like I think one team maximizing the negative with the help of the other two teams would, would be the answer to the maximum the the lowest possible score among all three. If that makes sense. Yes.
0: Oh yeah. It would have to be, yeah, especially once you get to 16, you'd have to have the other teams helping you. But,
1: but even if all three teams were working together, but they didn't want all of the negative points to be on just one team, I don't think you could get a lower total. Right. Um, but then to this question, I think so the way that we had designed it between specifically fouls, overrule challenges, and overrule protests, that was at least negative 30 points that you could get on every single question um, and sometimes more than once a question. And so when it, we delve into the world of what's the biggest gap well, we then start thinking about positive points. Well, there's no possible way to get more than 30 positive points on any numbered question. Um, And so I think any attempt to get positive points um, would actually decrease the total gap between two teams. So I think the biggest gap will be two teams that start with 20 and stick with 20, and then one team that has this maximum lowest score of like negative 1,200 or whatever.
0: Well, sure. But keep in mind, like if you're on the losing team and I'm on the winning team in terms of points, if I get a question correct, you can still challenge and be overruled, right? Like you can challenge with a terrible, terrible challenge uh, and still lose the 10 points that there, right. So, I mean, you could still, I mean, you wouldn't be losing 20, but I would be gaining 20, maybe 30, and you could be losing 10, uh, based on it, right?
1: Potentially. So I think there might be a way to finagle um, like a 300-point quiz or something positive and then the same negative score. Or, But I think the negative score would still be decreased some because, well, we had bonus errors, which weren't negative, but it was just another format for all the other negatives or a vehicle for all the other negatives. I'm not right. sure. I mean, I think my, my off-the-cuff answer was um, take two thirds of the maximum and then add, you know, maybe 300 points to the, on the positive end. And that would be your biggest gap. Um, but I, I, I still think it could be just purely negative. Although it is, it is 20 points for a correct answer.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, looking at it, like how would you, and well, here's also the question. Do you want to try to find the biggest point difference, assuming that the, the team that, gets points gets the highest possible score or do you say that at least one of the teams could get some amount of positive score but not necessarily the highest score right so there uh, does that make sense
1: i think so but i think it would it would be one team maximizing their score because you want to tap into as many third fourth and fifth person bonuses and quiz outs without air that you can which is going to come from one team getting all the questions
0: yeah certainly certainly um Is there, just to make sure I'm following this in my head, is there any situation where... No, you would always want to get as many of your quizzers to jump and get at least one question and then evenly distribute every other question. So essentially what you're looking for is for one of the other two teams to error. So actually, no, you want, so that's the other thing because there's three teams, right? So one team is going to be the team that's trying to get as many points as possible. The second team is going to be the team that's going to try to lose as many points as possible. And the third team is more like, we're just going to do whatever is going to help maximize the goals of team one and two. Yeah.
1: And a big part, a big crux of the um, negative score was um, an attempt to throw a question, which would get a numbered question reasked, asked um, And a lot of that goes away if the question has gotten correct.
0: But not necessarily, right? Because again, we're we're assuming all three teams are in on it. All three teams are doing the the, the sort of the quote unquote perfect way of of going about doing this. So team one is actually not going to jump on, say, question one. Instead, team two, the team that's trying to get the low score, is going to jump on question one and attempt to throw the question to get the error, therefore causing question one to be resubmitted. And then team one jumps on it and gets it correct.
1: Yes, but in that scenario it doesn't go to a bonus because I think we had team two also um or another a second team throwing that redone question one so that question oh. one gets asked three times. And in that scenario I think it becomes a could it could question one become a bonus on question one? Um I, I don't remember if an error is awarded and then the question is redone if um, in the judgment of the officials, an attempt to throw the question has been done, um, and so that's the pr- that to me that's the problem. Is if you're ever talking about it going to a bonus, then that's going to be limited positive points because in no, we're not going to get to third, fourth, and fifth person bonuses most likely. I mean, we we will, I guess, on well, we never will on bonuses. Um, but even on bonus questions, there still can be the fouls, overruled challenges, and overruled protests as normal. So. Right. Um, really, the name of the game is maximizing the number of counting questions where we can have a foul, and overall challenge, and an overall protest on. Because ideally, there's 60 of those, right? Yeah. 20 times three. Right. Um, although, here's a like, if an attempt to, is made to throw 16, does 16 repeat or does 16A repeat? Could you have no if,
0: if, if it's a thrown question, it's 16. Right. Now, if it's an error, it goes to A. But if it's a thrown question, you repeat 16.
1: Could you have nine questions asked on 16 through 20?
0: Um, See, this is where it's already hazy.
1: But really, that was the big thing, was the the attempt to throw a question, because it enables a numbered question to be re-asked. So as long as we can keep the number of total questions being asked and squeeze as many positives as we can... um, the actual negatives from errors is really a small part of the overall negative number because um, it's really just negative 10 times maybe 15 because mm-hmm. you need a few questions to, to get into error points. And that can easily be made up in correct questions and overtaken. So there might be a way to add an extra 100 or 200 to the gap maybe. Um,
0: yeah. Well, it's definitely something that needs to be done on paper (laughs) it sounds like there's a lot of implications on this one um i love the question i mean it's totally impractical and silly but i mean welcome to inside quizzing right like what 37.2 37.3 percent of everything we do is impractical and ridiculous so this fits right in
1: absolutely speaking of ridiculousness what do you have cooking up next griffin
0: Ah, uh, so you're looking ahead on our show notes. Well, <laughs> so I wanted to give a CBQZ update. So uh, it, it a lot has happened uh, with CBQZ uh, since last year. So we, sh- not demoed, I guess we used uh, CBQZ at internationals uh, for the answer judge uh, uh, component of quizzing. We did not use it for question management or for you know, rendering any other part of quizzing. It was just purely for the answer judges to be able to look up stuff. But people, you know, got interested, started playing around with it. And as a result of that, a fair number of districts are actually playing around with CBQZ this year. There's at least 11 districts in CMA that are using CBQZ to some degree or another at the district level this year. And there's, I want to say six, um, but certainly five, possibly more districts that are using CPQZ to actually run quizzes uh, at the district level. So that's both exciting and incredibly terrifying um, because uh, instead of spending most of my time thinking about PNW and making little radical changes to the code to make PNW's life easier, I have to keep in mind that There's actually this much wider body of users playing around with the system and not just playing around, but actually using the system at a quiz meet, you know, in production and expecting it to be reliable. So as a result, I've become... Uh, my my, so my paranoia level has increased in terms of making sure that the software is stable and good and extensible and usable and so forth. And so what I've done is basically frozen development of CBQZ in its current form, with the exception of fixing any sort of bugs that people report to me. Uh, I'm really not going to be making any kind of, you know, systematic major changes and hopefully not even minor changes either to just keep the system as stable as possible. But that being said, uh, I am not a fan of the way the framework is currently structured. So essentially, you know, going way back in time, CBQZ was really just a, a, a modernization of a piece of software that I wrote like 25 years ago or something, 20, 25 years ago. And, uh, it was originally a PC based program, uh, you know, written in C, C++ and so forth. And I've, uh, took the original ideas of that program and factored them into this web-based system predominantly for me to use at Quizmeets. And then of course, you know, I've talked Scott's ear off about it a ton and he eventually started playing around with it. And we expanded the use of it into PNW a couple of years ago. And uh, in at each particular step along the way, it sort of just got it was more the, Oh, Hey, we need this kind of functionality. And I'm like, okay, great. Let's insert it. Let's insert it. Let's insert it. And we just kept bolting more and more stuff onto this, you know, small little tiny framework. Uh, when it, you know, in the to to the credit of the framework, it's still working, you know, it's, it's stable, it's usable. Uh, but every time I want to talk about major feature changes or like kind of changing the mental model of how the software works, it's definitely kind of showing its its kind of age and its cruftiness in terms of how things are interconnected. So you know one one great example of that is the way question sets are shared right now uh the system was sort of in, envisioned around this idea that you know you as a quizmaster or you as a coach would sit down and write your questions and you might share them with a, a co-coach or as a quizmaster you might share your question set with another quizmaster that sort of stuff but you're not going to you know say i want to take my question set and let the world you know see it and make clones of it or whatever else and it turns out in a universe that is bigger than my head, uh, there's actually a, a, a majority of people that actually want that kind of style of question set management. And that's not something CBQZ does very well right now. And so one of the things I'm working on is a complete ground up reworking of the entire software. I'm not doing it live on CBQZ. It's done in a development environment and none of it will touch CBQZ this year. And my goal is to have it done and ready to flip the switch over as soon as internationals is done at the end of this season. Uh, So that way, all of the instability is withheld from CBQZ until it's okay over the summer break to be able to, to throw it on there and play around with it and that sort of stuff. So that's kind of the stuff that's in works there in, in terms of big picture. Now, in terms of smaller picture, one of the things that we had to do at internationals was we, um, there was a, I forget exactly how it worked out logistically, but there was a team that was stuck behind a couple of different quizzes. And so we had a good, I don't know, I want to say an hours wait, maybe an hour and a half wait, that we had at one point for a, a team to show up. We had two of the three teams ready in the room, but the third team was was kind of stuck behind a kind of a stacking up ordering of events uh, in another room. And so we were kind of bored, and we we're like, "Well, what are we going to do?" And so, as is tradition uh, in P and have I've I've been doing this for a number of years. Uh, I would. Do Princess Bride questions. And of course, I would just make these up off the top of my head. And I had realized, you know, I started asking a couple of questions and then very quickly realized that um, it had been a number of years since I had seen the movie, uh, which is a, a failing that I have corrected since internationals. But the other thing was, I was thinking, well, CBQZ is fairly flexible. Uh, you don't have to have biblical material in there. Uh, and so then I thought, well, we could actually do an import of the Princess Bride uh, screenplay and actually write questions in CBQZ and actually have Princess Bride quizzes uh, based on the Princess Bride screenplay. And so, yeah, I'm working on that. And it might be, well, it's definitely going to be done before the EBC meet in, you know, less than two weeks away. It might be done by the end of this week. Uh, Now, it won't be question sets, it'll just be the material and that sort of stuff. And then, of course, we'll have to actually write the question sets uh, based on the material. But yeah, that's upcoming.
1: That's awesome. Are you are you doing any sort of references? Or is it just going to be the book or maybe chapters?
0: No, there is definitely references. Um, So I have no earthly idea how normal people are going to memorize references, because there's no canonical referencing. But there are, and in fact, even the screenplay itself is uh, not well set out in terms of scenes, right? So like, you know, usually screenplays will will have scene breaks, and this particular screenplay is not quite that way. They, they had a shooting script, uh, which is very different than the actual words that were spoken, right? So you can't go to the original shooting script and say, okay, this is scene, this, this is scene, that, because it doesn't quite break down that way in terms of who said what, and then post edit, right? So to make things canonical, I basically had to go to the actual words from the actual movie and the scene breaks that are from the actual movie, which are, you know, a little bit more strict to be able to put things together. So in fact, there are, uh, in terms of chapters and verses, there is the, a chapter is synonymous with a scene and a verse is synonymous with a line, but a line can is is basically anything that is a non-break between characters. So if you if you know Enigo has you know two or three sentences and a long 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 pause and then another sentence, that's considered one verse, quote unquote, in terms of of CBQZ. So a verse a verse change is anytime a person, uh, the person speaking switches, uh, narration counts as a person speaking. So that's all included as well, you know, with the voiceovers and all that kind of stuff. Um, Peter Falk and, and his whole, you know, grandfather reading kind of stuff. So yeah, in terms of question types, certainly you could technically do quote questions. Although I don't know how on earth that would work practically, because I don't think anybody's going to sit down and actually memorize the references that are coming out of this thing. Um, I, but you could, in fact, do situation questions quite easily. Uh, that's the, all of that material is going to be included, uh, in the set. So, yeah, it'll it, it'll definitely be interesting.
1: That's awesome, and I, now I can see why it's taking you a little bit of time because I've wanted to have the Harry Potter text within something CBQZ just for the searching power. Um, but. I was not envisioning anything more granular than saying a chapter of the book is a chapter, and there are no, there's no concept of verses. And if that's the case, I would just have to have the text, and then I bet you you could put it into CBQZ pretty easily. Um, but it's the, the construction of those verse breaks that probably take the most time.
0: Yeah, and of course you have to be careful about uh unique words and so forth. So every verse has to be attributed to a speaker, but that at that attribution cannot be considered in terms of the uniqueness of the material. Uh, so like if you're looking at for a unique word, the 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 non-spoken attribution of the person speaking cannot be uh included in the calculational product of is that making is that make sense what I'm saying? No, it does not. Okay. Um so if I am Fezzik and I say uh, Vincini, Vincini, Vincini. Ooh, man, I'm showing. Vincini. Yeah. Okay. So if I say his name, his name now is in the context of what I'm talking about. Not context. His name now is in the material that I am speaking. It is now part of the, you know, Princess Bride historical record, let's say. Right. Okay. Um, but, but prior to me saying that, If Vincini is actually in a scene and he's talking, I need to attribute in the material that he's the one who's talking, but I can't actually use that in terms of CBQZ to calculate whether that's his name is a unique word or not, because his name only shows up, I believe, uh, I think it's only in Act 3 when his name shows up for the first time. I'm trying to remember.
1: So you're saying that a character can speak something without it being um, attributed to him?
0: Well, it needs to be attributed without the attribution altering the, the, the color coding of the words.
1: Gotcha. So you just need some concept of like clarification, right? Where it's just a word in right. brackets that CBQZ ignores.
0: Right. Right. Um, and of course, that all happens in terms of searching just fine. Uh, well, sort of. It it that works just fine in terms of question writing, but in terms of the actual material itself and color coding, uh, it's a concept that was it was utterly foreign <laughs> to the, to the notion of how CBQZ considers material because it, it it's not a real scenario with real, with real biblical material. Uh, so yeah, we like, we don't, we don't say Hebrews chapter one, verse three was written by Paul, right? It's just sort of, that's, that's a non, that's a non concept. So it's definitely been an interesting exercise. And obviously I'm not going to be doing any kind of CBQZ code alteration. This is purely just data stuff, uh, because, you know, obviously this is just for fun.
1: You say that until I log 30 issues related to Princess Bride in a week.
0: Oh, that's true. And knowing me, I have a sickness. I'm going to go through and fix every one of those three issues because <laughs> I won't be able to not do it.
1: They're, they're, they're going to be clever. They're yeah. going to, you're going to see the value. But.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm going to see the value, and I'm totally going to do it. So when you're talking about Harry Potter, are you talking about the, the book? Or are you talking about the movies? Or what are you talking about in terms of like loading the material? The books. Oh, interesting.
1: Okay. Because there's often times where I want to um, create trivia, but I just have to page through the books to do so. And I'm unable to create trivia like, you know, this character is a student um, and named in five different books, but is not one of the main five characters. You know, like, but I'm not able to do anything based on um, proper name usage or book occurrence or anything like that because I just don't know the data.
0: Right, right. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, well, I mean, that should be fairly easy because you could you could either bracket it by paragraph or you could bracket it by sentence. Um, so grammatically, it would be fairly easy to say, you know, this is sentence one, two, three, four, and so forth. Even if it's like a block quote of like a single character saying four sentences in a single quote, you can still break on the sentence bar- barriers uh, and turn those into either verses or If you want to just go like, okay, this is a paragraph of text and just have, you know, the verse equivalent in CBQZ just is a paragraph of content, you could do it that way. Although that would be pretty tricky if you're doing like, um, you know, like the auto quote kind of stuff would end up, you know, causing the, you know, quote the entire paragraph, which would be uh, difficult.
1: Yeah, I really don't. I think it would be too much work to break it into something more granular than chapters for almost no gain in question writing slash trivia. Um, I think the largest bits of trivia would, would, I mean, I found that when I'm just referencing either the book name or the chapter name is most useful and fun. Um, But more granular than that, I don't think would add to the fun.
0: True, But I mean, it's a fairly easy thing programmatically to do.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, And it would allow you to do, well, you could still do finish these quotes. It just, you couldn't do any of the auto stuff. You just have to can it yourself.
0: Right. Well, fun times. So that's kind of the upcoming stuff there. So beyond any of that craziness, and definitely this episode is proof that our brains are twisted and weird. But um, beyond, beyond that, any other kind of news or updates from you, Scott?
1: I can't think of anything.
0: Cool. I can't think of anything either. I'm sure we're going to come up with more ideas between now and uh, EBC and then certainly beyond of course we definitely want to hear from you guys uh, please email us at IQ at cbqz even if it's just to say hi we'd love to hear from listeners uh, I know we've got some a lot of folks in PNW listening we've got a lot of folks in Canada we've got a lot of folks sprinkled across the US would love to be able to hear from every one of you just kind of throw us a line and any kind of thoughts that that you've got around anything quizzing related or even you know not quizzing Related. we'd love to hear from you uh, iq at cpz.org you can also follow us on twitter our account is at inside quizzing and with that i will wish you all a wonderful next couple of weeks and uh, god bless and i will see pw people in a little under a couple of weeks at EBC. all right see you all later